Welcome to the Bird and Steep Podcast. Though I didn't do 20 or 30 years locked up, and I never spent time in the hole or had to make a shiv, after six years in the Texas penal system, I've still seen some stuff. I've lived through many lockdown, endured authoritarian regimes, seen riots, learned how to navigate deeply entrenched racial issues, and as the world around us snowballs further into insanity, I can't help but think how like prison this all is. Yet it wasn't all doom and gloom, I made some incredible friendships along the way, learned things about myself I don't know if I ever would have uncovered, and I learned that prison Mike was right. They do serve gruel and there are dementors, though they aren't the worst part of it. Join me as I share stories from the inside and dive into how my time locked up has changed, altered, and shaped my views now that I am on the outside. Hello and welcome back, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for episode nine of the Prison Steve podcast. This is going to be part two of the series on race and what I saw in prison, what it taught me, and what I'm learning to apply into today's life now based on what I've seen and experienced. And um, I have just posted the first episode, so. I have no idea what the feedback is going to be like. I have no idea if that's going to resonate or make sense with any of you guys out there, if it's going to trigger anything. I have no idea. I don't even know what kind of blowback or feedback I'm going to get for it. Um, I do know that I was pretty open, pretty raw, and that I'm going to continue to do so moving forward, um, just as I share my own personal take and journey through everything. There was uh, just a few things just to lay out before go ahead and launch into that second part of the recording. The first is that what I've got working on the, uh, what I have in the future coming up, I have some other voices that I would like to bring into this discussion. Uh, some of them are people I'm reaching out to that I've done time with. I've done a terrible job of staying in contact with guys that I have done time with. So I may or may not be able to get some of them to want to come on here, but I may also run into some other people that have done time or that have worked in the system or known people that have done time and would like to share what their experience has been. I'm also going to be bringing in uh, just some different voices to add some uh, character and perspective as to some of the subjects we'll be talking about. Just because it's fun, it's it's more enjoyable for me to banter with people about these things than it is for me to just uh, pontificate and you know not very eloquently relate these things to you guys as much as I would like. So um, I've got some things working out on that. One of the things that... Um, so I got two things. The first is sharing specifically how prison has affected me in a negative way and a positive way since I've come out and starting to kind of after four years, uh, almost four years. It's actually I'm sorry. After three years of being out, just being able to look back and be like, I can see now these are the positives and I can see now these are some of the negatives of of what was left and, and what I experienced. And then also just being able to share what uh, other things that people have gone through and what they've dealt with um, and how it has helped them as well. Uh, so that's one of the subjects I have that's coming up that I'm excited to share with you guys. The other one is that I can't say I'm excited. I just know it's something that I've been working towards and would like to do, and and I'm trying to get the right format for that. And that is basically just to share my story from start to finish, um, not from me coming out of the womb start. I'm saying like 
from the time when I actually even started considering a crime and what was going through my head, what was going on in my environment that allowed for that to happen. And then, um, you know, the robbery itself and then everything that led up to afterwards being on the run and turning myself in. And then I would like to just share part of my journey in a nutshell about what happened chronologically as I went through the prison system and whatnot, and then what's happened since. Um, but basically I would like to just share my story in full and to not do that in a vacuum where I'm just sharing it and you guys are listening, but actually do it in a format to where I'm able to bring some outside voices and we can actually have a discussion about it. That's in the works and that is coming up too. So really excited about that. And as I'm moving closer towards that and moving more towards what I want this podcast to be, which is, again, when I started, I didn't want this to be a um, obsession with prison life, but I felt like I needed to kind of get some of this stuff out there so I could answer some questions, get some stuff off my chest about what it was like going through there, what I've learned, so that as I'm going forward and we're talking about different things like political issues and like um, just whatever's trending and and how it's uh, f- how what I've gone through and seen is kind of affecting me now. Uh, how did I come to this conclusion, or how did I come to this place? Um, and a lot of it is going to come from my experiences going through this this whole situation about being incarcerated and having a felony and all that stuff. So anyway, that's what's on the works. Excited. Just want to share that with you guys. Um, and again, I am sorry that I took that break that I had kind of needed it to resort through some things. But like I said, I want to be back on track where I'm knocking out these at least once a week and, you know, defining the platform. So all that being said, let's go ahead and launch into this again. I encourage you to remember that this is my journey. This is what I went through. I'm not saying that this is how you should view it. I'm not saying that this is something that everybody should go through. I'm just saying that this is what I went through. And yes, I had to battle through some really dark, heavy stuff that was going on. uh, Stuff that I'm not really proud of, but stuff that was there and needed to be dealt with. And at the same time, uh, it's left results that I'm still living with today. And whether that's positive or negative, you get to find out. Just you're going to have to listen to the end. And again, I welcome any comments, tips, anything that you want to share about what you're hearing uh, moving forward, especially on this subject. I'm sure we'll revisit it multiple times. Let's get into it. Now, what was I being given a break from? I was being given a break from this opinion that was being developed, that was being almost forced on me day in and day out, that you're able to make a general judgment about somebody based on the color of their skin or their race. That's what racism is. Racism racism does not allow individual identity. It's group thinking. It's bunching people up into a group to determine how you feel about someone without their own input into how you view them. And it's being done in a negative light. It's never positive, And it's being done based on their race or the color of their skin. That's what racism is. Racism is, and and I needed the break from, I needed the faith-based dorm, and I needed these friendships that I would develop later to help be these 
touchstones to reality to help me realize racism is 100% unfair because it does not allow a case-by-case basis. You're automatically assuming something negative about something. They are guilty till proven innocent. I don't want to be that person. So how do you fight against that? From what I saw personally in myself and other people in their journey was that three things had to happen. The first is that you have to have a place where you can have open dialogue and you can be very frank and open about what it is that you're dealing with and to be able to elaborate on that in a place where you're not going to get a whole lot of pushback. You're going to be allowed to work through that. You got to be open with it first to be able to deal with the issue. The second thing is that you have to also own up to the fact that the part of you that's allowing for that to happen and that the one thing that I had to come to an understanding was that there was something broken and damaged inside me that would let me move to that place that would let racism even begin to have some type of foothold Um, and I had to work through and process how was it that I was going to choose to view the world around me was I going to be a victim to my circumstances to where things were always out of my control and I was blaming other people that was an option or was I going to take control of the situation and say I can't control them but I'm going to control who I am and what I do and how I react and then am I going to let other people have that freedom to be able to do that with me am I going to take people on a case-by-case basis first I had to deal with myself first what was preventing me from doing that and then I could move on to letting people have the freedom with me to be able to just be who they were and to not just assume something about them because of my past experiences and then the last one is that you need help from an outside source now I sought that outside source through two, well, I sought it through one specific way, and that was through my faith, through my belief in Jesus Christ, my belief in God, that rooted and gave me my foundation and my identity to work through this. But what I also found that was extremely helpful, when I mean help from the outside, was there were people that were brought into my life that dispelled the notion of being able to generally look at a group of people and say, you guys are this way. Because this person was, these people that were in my life were like beacons of light and hope that it's not always like this. Not all people that are of this color or from this neighborhood or from this background or from this culture are like this. And so when I was doing the studies with my Bible studies with my friends that were also going through this process, we worked through this stuff together. And they brought their own baggage to the table, and they worked through that, and we worked through what they were dealing with, what was going on inside them. And then we started looking also at the outside resources that were going to help us move past that negative place, that dark place that we were at. Now, all that being said, no matter how much time I would have spent on my faith, working, praying, spending time in the Word, very few things really trump personal experience and so for two well about a year and a half i spent in that faith-based dorm working through my own things and it, it was never like i was dealing specifically with race it was just one of the things that i was dealing with i was actually dealing with a lot of personal stuff like um identifying depression and how to overcome it identifying my insecurities and how to overcome that and yada 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 and in the process, I was also having to deal with race, you know, 
little bits here and there of racism, but the groundwork was being laid to really deal with it going forward. When I moved, went to my next unit, my next unit was called, uh, that's when I made trustee, and I went to a place called uh, W2. The very pers- first person I met there, his name was Como. Uh, the very first time I saw Como, he was on the tractor, that's what he did, he drove around and would move things from one unit to the next and blah, 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 and make runs for the bosses. Um, I was in my cage waiting to get taken to a van to get taken to the unit. He's asking me the usual, you know, where you coming from, you know, like, you know, where you're rooming and all this stuff, and blah, blah. I found out later that he would actually become, that he was going to be my roommate. Uh, in that area, the room, you would have uh, four bunk beds, and so you'd have four inmates in a, in a room. He was one of my cellies. We had um, one guy, he was Mexican, another guy, he was white, and then there was Como, he's black, and then there's me. Um, you know, a mixed blood. And so Como was like about my height. We kind of had a joke about that where I was always like, yeah, you're like two inches shorter than me, right? And he's like, no, I'm same size as you, same height as you, blah, blah. But he was like my height, my size, but he was all muscle and bone. I mean, he was just kind of like a hulking figure who was always scowling, always mean mugging, um, just looked like he was angry or ready to be angry at the drop of a hat. Um, he was from the projects. He was from the ghetto of Dallas, a place called Como. Uh, so his name came from, you know, where he was from. And he would always tell me, you know, like, how legendary Como was for uh, how what a rough and tumble neighborhood it was and how violent it was and all that type of stuff. And basically trying to, you know, say, hey, I'm tough. And... um Everything about the way he talked, the way he was, and all this stuff would kind of identify that me and him wouldn't really be friends or really wouldn't get along or whatever. The weird thing was he ended up, right off the bat, we hit it off. And he was actually one of the best friends I ever made during my entire time. And one of my, just as far as memory goes, one of my favorite people that I ever met uh, during my incarceration and probably just in life. I mean, the guy was just, he was an outstanding person. And, but he was (laughs) in a lot of ways also misunderstood because of who he was and where he came from and how he looked. Um, But he was also a, probably a bigger Dallas Cowboy fan than me, which is kind of hard to do. But I mean, he was a massive Dallas Cowboy fan. And so we bonded instantly over that. And then just kind of other things. For whatever reason, we had, the ability and the liberty to talk very openly and candidly with each other. And that included issues of race and all that type of stuff. He was always, he never pulled any punches, never was uh, saying, Hey, you know, I don't don't want to talk about that type of stuff, you know, blah, blah. Or he was never sitting there saying, you know, all whites, this and all that type of stuff, but he had done time and he had seen things and all that stuff. So he, he could have had his own opinions, but for the most part, he was always really level-headed and really calm, really logical. If there was ever any beef going on, he was one of the first ones to jump in there and actually calm things down. It was always like a voice of reason among his own people and also in the dorm. And so because of that, he had all the respect among his and then also everybody else's, and especially my respect as well. Um, The respect would actually go both ways. I remember one day he was like, Hey, uh, how come 
how come uh, the woods don't uh, ever, when they break bread, how come they don't ever invite you? And so, like, break bread, have a meal, that type of thing. And I was like, probably because of the fact that uh, I break bread with you and I do Bible studies with the Mexicans and break bread with them. And uh, maybe the fact that I'm my mom's Mexican, so I'm half white, half Mexican. I mean, there's many reasons. And he's all, yeah, man. He's all, it's pretty cool, though. And I was like, why is that? And he's like, you know, because he didn't know how to say it, but he was just kind of like, you could have gone to them and you could have been one of them and blah, 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 was what he was trying to get at. And basically, you know, what I was trying to, what I ended up sharing with him is, was like, man, honestly, man, you're like, you're worth 10 of those guys at least, man. And it's like, me and those guys, we don't have anything in common outside of the color of our skin. You and me, we got 10 times more in common. And I got way more in common with the guys over there that I do my Baba studies with. Como wasn't really about the whole spirituality thing, but he did have a deep respect for what I was doing. And, you know, later on he'd be like, hey, you know, you're real consistent in that. I could see you don't play games with that and all that stuff. So whenever he did have issues and stuff, he, I was one of the guys that he asked to come pray for him and things like that. Uh, another guy that I told you guys about the, before, his name was Twin. He was one of the guys that I worked with. Early on in my W-2 time, I was thrown right back from the faith-based dorm until the whole world of race defines you know, this and, and it you're not shielded anymore from what's really going on out there. And um, the blacks that I worked with in the laundry area had the reputation for being uh, blatantly lazy to the point where they wanted other people to do the work for them and um, just real defiant and all that type of stuff. So again, what I was seeing was that a lot of the other people, the other whites, the other Mexicans that were there, we're looking at the blacks with disgust all the time and just saying, man, those guys, blah, 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 blah. They're making our life harder, yada, yada, yada. Um, but then there was twin. And I, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when I was telling you guys a story about when I felt it was okay to move into the laundry area, I moved into that part of the laundry area so I could start doing that type of work at the, at the back end of it. Um, and so even though I was working with a bunch of brothers, it actually ended up working out working out for me and and a large part of that was because me and twin bonded because of his work ethic and a lot of the dreams and and things that he had that he would end up sharing with me later on so between como and twin anytime a idea of racism that would say hey all black people are this way or i'm starting to feel this way about you know, the brothers or blah, blah, blah. Um, and sometimes with the Mexicans, it would be like a few other guys that would kind of be my touchstones. But really, again, like I said, the the race that a lot of people were having to work through and come to terms with was with the, uh, with, with the brothers. And so Como and Twin were my touchstone to keep me rooted in reality of that I could not buy into that way of thinking because I couldn't think of these guys in any other light than exceptional human beings, people that I really admired, I enjoyed being around, that I was really good friends with. And so racism doesn't really give you a whole lot of room and liberty to be friends with people that you're supposed to be 
hating and contention with and blaming for your life and all that type of stuff or the hardships that are going on in your world and blah, blah. Um, and so I just remember, and I still fondly look back on my relationships that I had with those guys and then other guys that would come along later on that would help me remember that racism stops seeing people as human beings and they start seeing them as, I don't know, like animals or they start making them seem like less than a human being. And these relationships that I was able to develop over time always helped me see the humanity and the human being and to stop making group thinking type of decisions about other people based on, you know, the color of their skin or how they're acting or all that type of stuff. Now, also part of this journey that I went on to help keep me sane was my own faith and my own journey in the word. And it's interesting in the Bible, in the Bible story, there's actually a lot of stories about race and, um, group thinking and that type of stuff. Um, and so as I'm studying it, I'm seeing these things kind of come out and I'm trying to understand it and all that and, and, and come to terms with it. And God's speaking to me and kind of showing me things over time. And it's just little by little, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning and starting to understand. And it's really starting to help me understand this strange world that I was living in that was so foreign to the world that I had used to, to know and associate. And that was actually, again, those relationships, that breath of fresh air that gave me the space to think and process. But really, it was my faith and my own personal journey that helped me start to see that what was being associated with race was actually rather culture. It also showed me that though you come from a certain place or you're born into a certain culture or area, it doesn't ultimately define you. You define you. And that's the most important thing right there is for yourself is for us to learn that we define ourselves. If we're letting other people define us and and we're like taking that on as our own identity, that's our fault. That's not their fault. We define ourselves. We control our, you know, how we view ourselves and then also how we're going to project ourselves to the world around us. Right. And more importantly, what I was learning was that if I get out of the way and let you define you to me, not I will define you and you have to prove me wrong. Does that make sense? I, I probably didn't say that very well. Okay, let me try one more time. If I can get out of the way and I will let you define you to me, right, then I'm not going to define you and then you have to prove me wrong. I'm not doing the whole you're guilty till proven innocent. Um, you are this way until you define and yes, race is something where we do this or it's happened in our world, but it can also happen due to how much money you make, what kind of clothes you're wearing, what kind of car you're driving. If we start to assume that certain people are something because of the clothes they where they live, the clothes they wear, the the car the car they drive, the job they have and we start making these assumptions, we're doing the same thing that we do with racism. And if we're pushing back against racism and saying, 
you know, and that's where our, our culture is right now. We're pushing back against racism and saying, hey, this defines who you are to me with, w- without your input. Then we also need to attribute that to every other aspect as well. And ultimately, that's where I ended up. I learned that through many hard times, difficult situations that I had to live through to take people on a case-by-case basis, to not let anything that I've seen or witnessed or lived through define the person that was in front of me. Because yes, I could be dealing with a mentally, spiritually sick individual um, that comes from the hood or comes from the ghetto or comes from the trailer, um, and that they're doing and acting that way because that's how they learn to survive. That individual might be living out that Freudism to its fullest, the strongest prey on the weak, you know, his whole thinking about how evolutionary cycles and all that type of stuff. But I could also be dealing with, so I could be dealing with that type of person, or I could be dealing with a Como or a twin or a Mr. Washington or any of these other guys that I would run into later on. Exceptional men that. I'm a better human being for knowing. If I had had that automatic thinking like, hey, because you're black, I don't really want to hear your story. I don't want to associate with you. I want to stay as far away from you as possible. I would have been cheated out as a human being because I would never have gotten to know them, know their stories, and let them have the influence on my life that they've been able to have. I know this. I'd be a lesser human being for not knowing Como twin mr washington and some of these other great guys that i ran into Um, racism denies me the chance to grow personally because it's going to limit who i get a chance to come into contact with that's ultimately the setback of racism and as it 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 hurts you it it hurts the other person yes it also hurts you it also limits my faith because it sees someone less than in god's eyes it makes me feel falsely superior. Uh, it's this ancient battle. It's one that every generation, every civilization has had to fight. Jesus himself had a battle against it, not from himself, but in the world around him. Is this idea that I'm superior to you because I work this type of job. I live in this area. I'm a part of this race. I worship this God. You know, And, and, and that's a weird thing to say as a Christian. Christians have, and, and, and I saw this, I lived it, where we actually felt superior to other human beings because we worship the one true God. That's what we say. We worship the one true God. But somewhere along the way, pride stepped in and said, yeah, I'm going to own that, and that makes me better than other human beings. And you want to know what? Other people realize that, and they, and, and they respond to that, and they don't respond positively to it. And that's one of the reasons Christians are getting so much pushback right now and have been getting so much pushback is because of the superior form of thinking that we have that we're better than another race or we're better than another group or better than another religion. And we forget that we're children saved by grace. But hey, that's just me going off on a tangent there. Sorry about that. Um, But again, racism cheats us of this by making us feel like we're superior to another human being just because of the color of our skin, uh, just because of the place we grew up in, things that we can't even control that were given to us, we feel like this makes us better or this defines us and all that type of stuff. 
Now, what do you do with the fact that you can't help the fact that you are seeing some really messed up stuff going on? That you're seeing a group of people and they may all be black and they're acting in a way that just appalls you and disgusts you and frustrates you and angers you. What do you do with that? How do you compartmentalize that? This is what I had to learn is that I had to understand that there was a cultural or a break break in what I was angry with, what I was frustrated with, what I was disgusted with was the culture that was producing that type of thinking or the type of thinking that was producing those types of actions that let me just call it a ghetto culture a culture a culture that that almost just says hey uh poverty and this you know way of life i can't do anything about it so i'm going to embrace it when i think of ghetto that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking where you're not even trying to fight against you're not even trying to break that mold you're not even trying to better yourself you're just completely giving in to the negative script that was handed to you not all of us are given this perfect script for our lives and this great opportunity some of us are given some really just dark negative scripts for our lives that we have to rise above but we have to make that decision on our own in a ghetto form of thinking and again it could be another word of ghetto i'm just using ghetto a ghetto form of thinking or culture says, nah, I'm just going to accept what it is. And then that's where victimization comes in as you blame somebody else and you say, somebody else is the reason that my life is less, yada, yada, yada. Now you may be seeing a bunch of like overprivileged kids that are out there on the street doing all this stuff and complaining about all this type of stuff. And that's not even cultural. What's actually happening is it's a victim mindset that's saying, I'm not in control of my destiny because you are my problem. And that if you get out of the way, then I can have a better life. It takes no ownership of the world around you and the decisions we have. It's constantly blaming somebody else. These are the things that if you're having anger and frustration and pushback on, don't associate because of the person's race don't associate it because of the person's color associate it because of a culture that is promoting that look at it for what it really is so i'm not saying hey uh there wasn't a time to judge and look at that and say hey that's wrong man i don't want anything to do with that i don't i don't want my nieces to see anything to do with that i don't want my mom to see any of this type of stuff like it's gross it's foul yes there's There's nothing wrong with identifying things that are wrong and that are broken. But we need to make sure that we're appropriating to its proper place. And what I have found and what's helped me to combat the racism that was just being poured upon me and that almost, I mean, literally almost sank my ship as far as how I viewed humanity was being able to understand through getting to know individuals outside of my comfort zone outside of my circle that helped me see people in a way that I was able to say I can't just assume somebody is something because of you know the color of their skin or because of where they're coming from or all that type of stuff I've got to take people on a case-by-case basis because if I don't do that and if you don't do that if we don't do that 
then what happens is we miss out on the chances to 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 come across the twins, to come across the Comos, to come across these people that have a chance to enrich our life and to open our eyes. They taught me so much. Like, they taught me so much about where they were coming from and what they had to deal with that when I do talk to some of my friends that, and even family members sometimes, that have not had a chance to have experiences with anybody else from different walks of life, they have a problem being able to understand and empathize with what some of these people are going through. And I do get pushback when I say, hey, there is racism that's going on here, and there is targeting, and there is stereotyping, and this happens. And honestly, if I was a black person and living in America, I would be making plans. I would have made plans a long time ago to move to another country and to live in another country because it is it is not easy here. And it's not because white people are oppressing you if you're a black person, but it could be. It could also be because black people here are oppressing themselves, you know, or that they're in a uh, a culture that says, you know, we're going to limit your opportunities compared to somebody else's. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's just different reasons. There's things that they're having to deal with that my friends have had to deal with that I never had to deal with. And, and I would ask them, I'd be like, have you considered moving to another country? Because... I can tell you it's not this bad. It's not like this in these other places. Um, And, you know, for some of them, they actually were like, no, but I'll think about that, you know. Or they'll be like, hey, you know, I guess I'll always be working for the man and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, you know what you're doing. Why don't you think about opening up your own business or doing this or da, da, da. Like, we each brought something to the table. But anyway, that's me on a rant. And really, all I'm just trying to say is, this is the prison culture. It's upfront. It's brutal. I've I have been using kids' gloves to def, to describe what the culture is like. It's in your face. It's brutal. I mean, just getting ready to share this story with you brought back moments of PTSD of just remembering what it was like to live in these confined places that you can't control and you've just got to ride with the flow of the chaos that's going on. And it sucks when you're not in control because what happens is you just start to say, my life is miserable because of that person, because they're doing this, they're acting that way, yada, yada, yada. And you start giving other people, somebody else power over you in those situations, in that environment. And it sucks. It's not fun to be in. Um, But I thank God that what I have gathered from that is it taught me to remember that I have been given the God-given ability to always control my environment because my environment starts with myself. I can always control my attitude, and I can always be in control of my faith. Those are two things that nobody can ever, ever take away from me. And in my time in prison, in the darkest moments dealing with just the crappiest situations, sometimes the crappiest human beings, I was still able to be in control and not fall into the victim mindset that other people were in control of my life because I was like, I am still in control of my attitude and I'm still in control of my faith and where I'm putting my trust. 
And now I'm able to take that out into the world. And in the chaos of everything going on, I can look at it and just say, in the end, a political party is not going to solve my problems. And it's really not going to actually affect my life. In the end, thank God I'm in a situation where I can control my own situation. Racism strips us of that. And that's what I learned. And I'm sure I learned a lot more. And I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about. And I'm sure I offended a lot of people and didn't say things that were politically as correct as you want them to be. Sorry. That's, you know, that's life. And um, maybe I do need to learn some things and clean some stuff up. Maybe. Um, maybe we need to learn to learn what I learned in prison, which is to top th- stop taking things so personally and stop being so easily offended and to understand that we're just more in control of our lives than I think we give ourselves credit for. And that's just, that's a God-given blessing that we've been given. So anyway, that's it. I just want to finish up with that. And um, if you have any questions, if you have any comments about it, you know, feel free to shoot me an email, something on Facebook, um, and we can go from there. I can come come back over this topic with uh, with an outside source or with somebody else that would like to share their take on things, and we can have a discussion about it. For me, I'm always learning, and I'm always willing to have this discussion. So that will do it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you guys again for joining. Sorry for the delay. And uh, I'm working on the next episode so we don't have this break like we had before. Again, I want to get back to once every week putting something out. Finish with that. Thanks, guys. Love y'all. Peace. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this podcast on whatever platform you're choosing. You can find the Prison Steve Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher now, as well as the Red Circle Podcast. If you want to throw your support for the show, the three best ways are to subscribe, leave a review, especially if it's five-star, and to share with anyone you think would be interested. Those three things will help me build some organic traction, which is really the best kind. Any comments or tips that you have for me, feel free to share them via the email or the Facebook link that I will be leaving in the description. For all of your support and listening to this show, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I look forward to the next one. Please remember, stay sane, be positive. Peace.